everyone, welcome to Heart's Happiness Podcast. The place where I, Manpreet, share my journey of healing intergenerational family trauma to help you to understand your story. I share a bunch of tools and tips that will transform your mental health and allow you to find your own heart's happiness. So exciting, right? Each episode will cover one of three areas. One, raising awareness of what this trauma actually is and how it hides in our lives. Two, tools, tips, support, lots of different things that I've used to get better and heal from this trauma. And three, I'll be connecting you with so many specialists and therapists and coaches as guests on my show. So we are going to transform your mental health and empower you to take your healing by the hands and move forward. Hello, welcome back for another episode of Heart's Happiness. We are well into December, so I thought it was time to talk about alcohol and our addictions on our healing journey because whenever we do something in excess whether it be eating drinking shopping cleaning helping other people pleasing others whatever your vice might be whatever it is that you do to not feel that means that you're kind of numbing your emotions you're numbing your emotional wounds you're not letting the real you come out you're kind of pushing them down and i was very familiar with using wine in particular to do this It was very common in my family. I come from a British Punjabi family that really go all out with booze at Christmas, at celebrations. And my granddad was a massive alcoholic. Dad drank a lot. I think you could pretty much say he was kind of an alcoholic to to deal with his emotions. And I kind of picked up some of these bad habits where when I was going through my really bad times, I would drink excessively to not feel basically because I just felt so crap but that meant that I would have extreme anxiety afterwards I couldn't sleep and it just sort of made all my problems so much worse which is why I encourage my clients to look at what are their addictions or what are their behaviors that they've adopted to kind of suppress their pain and for many people this can be alcohol so you might not identify as an alcoholic someone that drinks all of the time. I wasn't one of these people, but you may be one of those people that kind of needs a drink to take the edge off, to numb out some feelings of say, not feeling good enough, not feeling worthy, feeling overwhelmed at work. Maybe this year with 2020, you've been out using alcohol to kind of deal with parenting your kids at home because they're not at school anymore, whatever it may be. If you're doing it too much because you don't want to feel your emotions, this can over time become a problem which is why I've invited today's guest, Ella, to talk about her journey to sobriety because it's so interesting how giving up has given her so much. So I wanted to share that with you all. And also to let you know that next year, my coaching programs are all going to be launched. So do look on my website, do DM me on Instagram, send me an email at manpreetheartshappiness.co.uk if you are interested in signing up to one of the programs. We look at addiction and our survival program as part of this. So the things that you are doing, whatever they might be, however subtle they might be, they might even be like watching Netflix all of the time. That is also something I've done to not feel. I've done everything so I can help you figure out what it is that you're doing in excess that is stopping you from feeling your emotions because it's so important to feel our emotions when we're trying to heal. So I hope Ella is going to give you some great inspiration to have a look at your drinking because she has certainly made me evaluate my relationship with it and hopefully one day I will be giving up too. So I'm going to hand over to Ella now. Hi Ella, welcome to the podcast. 
Do you mind introducing yourself and explaining what it is that you do? Yes, thank you for having me on this, Manfrey. Um, my name is Ella St. John McGrand and I am a mindset coach. So I help women, especially in their 30s, to get laser clear and focused on one particular goal. And I help them to achieve it in a record amount of time. Um, as well as being a mindset coach, I also work in the TV industry. I'm a producer on history documentaries and I used to be a French teacher a few years ago as well so I've had a very varied work experience I like to bring all bits of it and bits that I've learned here and bits that I've learned there into my coaching practice because I think it enriches it yeah sure well I, I would imagine being a teacher makes you a really great coach because you probably start <laughs> teaching everyone like your students in a nice absolutely way. <laughs> yeah in an, absolutely in a nice way and it does I think teaching is one of those professions that gives you so many skills and you learn how to think on your feet really quickly and how to be really empathetic to people and understand why they're blocked or feeling frustrated because when you have to get a group of 15 and 16 year olds through their GCSE French you really get to know what wines them up let me tell you that so <laughs> yeah I guess you start to realize as well what are people's blocks to yes. why they're not doing something which is the same yes. as in coaching right of why people are resisting something so that's really yeah. great skill yeah what a great varied <laughs> skill set it's brilliant <laughs> I found you one day when I had drunk too much and I found your video with Annie Grace whose book I love Naked Mind and this year in particular I've been reading a lot of books on um, sobriety and just really exploring my own relationship with alcohol because maybe not so much this year, but definitely in the past. I wouldn't say that I'm an alcoholic or anything, but I'm somebody that could really relate with what you were talking about in that video, which is somebody that maybe uses alcohol a little bit too much when I do do it. And for me personally, that was because I was like numbing and trying to escape things. And that's what I've really been looking at and potentially moving slowly and slowly towards giving up entirely. Because now whenever I even have one glass, I can't sleep anymore. So I just don't even think it's even worth it. How did you come along to decide that you wanted to give up completely yeah, it's a great question yeah you found me on that interview with Annie Grace who is an excellent author and she's very well versed in the knowledge of what it is to be sober and how you can reprogram your mind for the ideal amount of success to to not drink and um, that's her body of work and her expertise for me personally I have always been quite a heavy drinker if you want to hear a bit about my story yeah yeah of um, course yeah so I, I started drinking in my late teens. I was about 17 and when I changed schools for sixth form because that's when you could go out, of course, and made a whole new group of friends and we'd go out to Shoreditch quite a lot and get absolutely smashed and also go to house parties. And what I noticed, and I'm sure many of your listeners will resonate with this and perhaps you will too, is that I felt more confident and more chatty and just generally like the life and soul of the party when I was drunk um, and of course I had fun times of course it wasn't all awful but then I began to notice that in comparison to my peers it would affect me for a lot longer my hangovers generally lasted longer I would always push it a bit too far I think there's a very fine line when you're drinking to have, having fun and and banter and all of that to then being bit anxious and then feeling quite upset about yourself for the actions or behavior you've you've taken whilst you've been drinking and I began to realize that I was always pushing it a bit too far and this continued at university I really got into drinking there because it's all Everybody about is. going to, yeah exactly it's all about going to, well everything that you're saying right now is pretty normal of most people's lives and relationships with alcohol right 
Absolutely. It's quite a normal example, I think, of somebody who binge drinks who who was a binge drinker and that was accepted by society it was never seen as anything wrong or that I was pushing it too far Um, but I had an inkling of that myself and then throughout my 20s I had a few horrible incidents of really pushing it too far Um, so on my year abroad I passed out drunk on a beach and that was quite dangerous I could have drowned I then fell over, well, was pushed over in a nightclub and had to have stitches in my arm. That was a very Kill Bill style, you know, blood spurting everywhere. It was disgusting, yeah, (laughs) and ending up in French A&E. And I was so drunk, I couldn't speak to them in French. That's how, that's the level when that kind of language faculty in your brain switches off. It's like, oh yeah, now I know I'm really paralytic drunk. So that wasn't my finest hour. And this pattern continued throughout my 20s. And then when I was doing my teacher training and when I became a French teacher um, as you know it's a very stressful um, job it's very hard to switch off from it 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 became a huge part of my identity if I'm honest and I loved teaching but I think I couldn't separate it from other parts of my life so wanting to shut off that voice and wanting to numb out crept in quite a lot so I would get quite drunk on the weekends and then feel awful on Monday when I was teaching and then be looking forward to the next weekend for when I could go out with my flatmates and get absolutely hammered again and I also had a sense as well um, I'm I'm mixed race of never quite fitting in and that really became apparent to me at university because I went to Sussex and it was very white and I knew that I was one of the only few black people or people of colour there and I always felt a bit separate because of that even though I made some amazing friends and I think that was on my mind and I didn't really know how to express that or how to unravel it as an idea about my identity and how I felt about myself as a woman of colour so I think that was simmering under the surface as well. So this continued for a few years and then when I was 26 I decided to leave teaching um, which was a really big decision for me. It was really hard. I cried so much um, because I'd put so much effort into it so much love and I did love teaching the the pupils I decided to move into TV and because there was a clear break between teaching and moving into a new career I thought oh this is a good opportunity to stop drinking because everyone who I'll meet in TV they don't know me I'm brand new I'm a brand new Ella I can reinvent my identity and I thought actually I don't want to drink anymore because it's making me feel really shit so I stopped drinking for six months using my willpower alone I didn't read any quit lit I didn't think to speak to anybody really about it I just thought I'm not going to drink anymore that's it and I'm quite stubborn as well when I get an idea in my head which is good sometimes but when you don't look at the reasons underneath it can actually be quite detrimental I think stopped drinking for six months and then went out with a friend for dinner in Soho one night and thought fuck it ordered a bottle of Pinot Grigio for no reason just because I think that was the end of my willpower probably was and then I started drinking again and very quickly got back into my pattern of binge drinking on the weekend and then it taking me three or four days to recover from a anxiety spiral I didn't know that's what it was at the time and I'm somebody who in general my friends and family was will say I'm quite level-headed but after drinking I would feel really really low absolutely just very down very blue for a few days it would take a lot to 
get my energy back and I remember reflecting on this and thinking is is this normal does everybody feel this way what's wrong with me why can't I seem to handle my drink I can't seem to moderate it seems to be as soon as I have one that's it I'm on it I'm I'm party Ella I'm ready and something fun's gonna happen tonight or something slightly disastrous or something that I'll wake up in the next morning feeling regret about as I progressed in my TV career this pattern continued then last year in April I decided to do some training to be a coach the Mindful Talent Academy because I was feeling a bit lost in TV and wanted that reconnection again with people so I thought let me think about something that I'm really good at and I was good at teaching so I'll retrain to be a coach and see if that helps me develop that skill set which I enjoyed so much with teaching with supporting people with helping them through a process really tough it opened me up and it gave me many skills to be self-aware because you're learning to coach other people but you're also being coached yourself so you get a feel of the process and it was very in-depth and I had this feeling that kept on coming up that said oh you need to stop drinking you need to look at this again and that voice was getting louder and louder and then in May 2019 I was at a friend's Hindu which was lovely and you know what it's like to be with a group of women or what it was like when you could all be together (laughs) and it's just (laughs) lovely um drinking Prosecco it was a beautiful day we were making floral headdresses my friend was so excited about her upcoming wedding it was just it was gorgeous and I had a moment of looking at my glass of Prosecco I'd put the bottle down and I thought what the hell am I doing I, I cannot do this anymore and it was such a strong feeling that I had to follow it so I left the party was really upset cried all the way home and then the next day I thought okay this is it I think I need to stop drinking because this isn't a normal reaction to sort of quote unquote having fun at a hen do I'm very emotional about this I need to look at what's going on underneath it Mm. Um, so I decided to to stop drinking um, for good and I reached out to an acquaintance of mine who I'd met at another event she's called Emily Cyphers she runs Sober and Social I'd only met her once before I messaged her and I said hi Emily I don't know if you remember me but I think I need to stop drinking and she was so supportive and that really gave me the first bit of encouragement to believe in myself and think that I could stop drinking and possibly be happier so from then on I've read a lot of quit lit books and going through the coaching training really helped me uncover what was underneath my drinking and I think it was a sense of low self-esteem and not feeling good enough so it's been really interesting to look at that and address that in sobriety it's been oh I've been sober for 18 months now well Um, done that's amazing yeah so it's been it's been a while now and I'm not what people would think would be you know I'm not sort of your classic alcoholic as it were and I didn't go to a 12-step program because I felt it didn't really resonate with me I think I took the decision to to stop before it progressed to that level because I'd acquired new self-awareness skills from training to be a coach I could spot it and then the next bit is actually deciding to take action which of course is the hardest thing um, and taking a decision that very much 
goes against what society expects you to do because we're so encouraged to drink in the UK. It's everywhere. It's at every event. You can't get away from it. So you have to do a lot of reframing in your mind about why you don't want to drink and why it won't add anything to your life. And that was a really important shift for me to make. And I had to read a lot of books about it. I had to make friends. Well, I didn't have to, but I wanted to make friends with new sober people, which was great because they understood where I was coming from that's how I've done it really and I also did a lot of a lot of exercise in the first three months just to get out a lot of my nervous energy and meditation really helped me and that's that's how I've been able to do it just taking it day by day and step by step and always coming back to my reason why and my reason is I don't want to feel that way anymore that was the first reason and now it's I feel so much better now I don't drink and I feel I can be the full I know it's an overused word authentic version of myself but I feel much more honest and that's great I'd rather live my life from that place of honesty and integrity also you just have so much more energy for so many more yes. things don't you that's, you do. you that's do. what I've noticed by cutting it out quite a lot thanks so much for sharing your story because what I find so interesting about in what I've been really looking at myself is the reasons why we drink and what we're trying to actually push down and you know for women is so common for that low self-esteem even things like body image that's I think that's a big part of the reason why I drink. Also, I'm a woman of colour. So when I used to work in big corporate environments, I felt a little bit uncomfortable with just mm-hmm. a lot of men. So I almost drank to be part of the group. I never used to drink, actually. I started in probably really in my 20s because I've come from a family of alcoholics. So I was always really resistant to mm. it. But then when I started to notice that it made me less shy, made me more confident, I was also quite resistant to relationships. So it helped me in dating, all mm. that kind of stuff. But really the problem that I had never went away. And <laughs> it's something that I had to deal with later. But it just pushes it down. And that's the thing with any form of, you know, I know you wouldn't identify as an alcoholic, but so many people don't. And the re- But what we're looking at here is that anything that we do in excess to put like to actually numb feelings is actually a problem because yes. it keeps us stuck. Yeah. It means we can't really move forward. We can't even heal as well. Like you said about you found things about, you know, your feelings around your race, which were trauma basically that you've experienced but that you weren't even allowing yourself to feel because you're just numbing it out all the time and I I really think that this is so common especially this year I've heard of so many people drinking more to cope with Mm -hmm. 2020 Mm -hmm. and like you know homeschooling their kids working Mm -hmm. from home all you know all the stuff that is brought up the uncertainty but the problem is we're not really getting rid of the anxiety or the uncertainty because alcohol just makes it work and also the feelings that you have underneath are part of you they've been there in your unconscious brain forever and they're not going to go away so just using it less I think you start to let the feelings come up and then you're like oh I didn't know that about myself that's really interesting (laughs) it's absolutely that and it's it's really it's quite it's not frightening but it's it's confronting I would say for those feelings to come up and for you to fully recognize them and have to sit with them because I'd pushed them down for so many years I'd ignored you know people saying quite frankly microaggressions or or blatant racist comments I've not really challenged that as much as I would have liked to or when I had heard it I'd gone completely off the rails because I was drunk on the occasion so you can't really 
confront people or call them out in a very succinct way because you're already pissed so you can't you're on a back foot already so there was a lot of that that was coming up to the surface even though I've grown up I'm from East London it's very multicultural but again it's about being in different spaces where you are the only person of colour and that happened to me especially at university and I found it really uncomfortable at times and it's been interesting to learn how to manage my emotions because I think one emotion I pushed down a lot was anger because there's such a a horrible negative connotation with black women you don't want to be seen as the angry black woman I'm quite passionate I really care about politics I'm really politically engaged so that would come out a lot when I was drunk and I'd get really annoyed about things and want to want to go at it and want to find solutions but that would come across as quite aggressive as quite too forward for some people so now in sobriety it's okay I know I have that in me and I know those values are really important how do I move forward with that how do I express it what can I do to move this conversation forward and that's actually a really really interesting thing to consider because also when you're sober you have all your faculties you are firing in all cylinders and you're able to grapple with and to have discussions about more difficult things because you can't push it down as much so it does bring so much to the surface my god it really really has yeah, i can imagine that's really painful at times because you do want to just like numb it out yes, <laughs> i've been doing that this year like i'm like oh i'm really terrified about this oh i'll just have one glass of wine it will just make me feel better it never does so it's just completely pointless because it's the normal reaction isn't it because you think oh i'm feeling i'm in pain or this is uncomfortable so i don't want to i don't want to think about it so i want to have a glass of wine instead and especially this year 2020 which has been a bit of a shit show i think that's the understatement <laughs> it's been really hard so i completely get why people have been drinking more because they want to numb out they want to temporarily forget about their problems they want that muscle relaxant which unfortunately alcohol does to you it does seem to decompress you so when you're not drinking you have to find other ways to do that to reach a different mental state but not a mental state in a negative way it's it's, there's a difference between numbing out and relaxing Mm. And I think a lot of people, when they are drinking, what they really want is to relax. So it's finding a way of relaxing that's actually good for them. Yeah, sure. I mean, I think I see that a lot with clients as well, that we as as a culture, just, well, in the world, don't know how to emotionally regulate, how to take care of ourselves, how to calm down. We didn't grow up watching it. So I grew up watching people use alcohol to chill out. I didn't grow Mm. up with people like breathing in the garden and all the crazy stuff I do now, (laughs) or having a bath or any of these things. So I think... By actually stopping alcohol, by stopping going for your vice, you're exploring what other options are available to you and realizing what feels good and what actually relaxes you. Because I've been do- like taking note of that lately where I'm like, oh, hot drinks make me feel like this. I will use that in this scenario. Mm. Or, you know, like I'm obsessed with walks. So how they make me oh, feel and can they change my mindset? But before that, when I was using just alcohol or food in my case wouldn't even know those things I would just Mm. reach for the thing to take away the pain it wouldn't even work because I'd often feel worse about myself anyway Mm. and it's just a continuing spiral the other thing is is that we like you've mentioned earlier we are in a culture especially in the UK that's obsessed with drinking so almost when you're not drinking and that's what I find really difficult I'm I'm fine 
lockdown's great because I don't drink at home. It's all fine. But it's the minute that I start to socialize again, I feel that pressure. And I think because I struggle with people pleasing, I really struggle with being like, yeah, no, I'm not going to do it today. I'm good. Mm. And I'm still fun without it. You know, like it's that that's really kills me. That's the bit that's really hard. That I think is um, a bit of a sticking point for me. Any tips on that? Yeah, I'm very much, I love being around people. I think I am a definitely an extrovert um i get a lot of my energy from from being around groups of people and absolutely tackling social situations was quite hard at the start of sobriety you have to really pick the situation and go because you really want to go there you have to really want to do it number one and then number two plan so if you can find out if they have any alcohol free options that really helps. Um, I would say number three, have an ally. So somebody who's in your corner, who knows that you're not drinking, who can support you if they're at the event with you or you can text them. And then number four, have an exit plan. When it gets too much and when people get to that level, when they're repeating themselves, um, I did that all the time, by the way, no shade, um, then you want to leave. Yeah. So that's another thing to, to keep in mind. And that's how I, how I manage it because I stopped drinking before. 2020 and I went to quite a few different social events I went to my friend's wedding I went to a festival the office Christmas party I found events when the activity was just drinking too hard because yeah. you can't talk to anybody after they've had three drinks you're you're bored as the sober person sorry to say it but you are because mm -hmm. they're they're already on a very different mental state to you you can suggest other things to do with your friends meet up earlier in the day do other activities and actually what you might find is that your friends are quite relieved about that they might not necessarily want to go out drinking on that level anymore that's what I discovered with a few of my friends they thought oh thank god we don't have to do that or we can just go for a coffee or we can just go to an art gallery oh I could see the relief so it was really it was quite it was quite funny um and I think it's it's all it comes down to that fear of judgment we don't nobody likes being judged and you do want to feel that you are part of a community and you feel that by stopping drinking you're going to be excluded and to a certain extent you are but that's not necessarily a bad thing I would argue because you've chosen to do something for yourself and you can then find other like-minded people and just because you've chosen to stop drinking doesn't mean you're permanently excluded from all social events you're just more selective about the ones that you want to go to um, and I found for me I used to like going out a lot clubbing don't actually like clubbing what I liked was dancing I, I love dancing so now or when I can going back to the gym going to dance classes or dancing in my dancing in my garden that's that's what I enjoy that's that gives me a lot of pleasure it's a lot of release for me and that's what I was after when I was drinking it was that the alcohol poured loads of fuel on that so I thought oh this is amazing this is the only time I'll dance like this it's no no you've always liked dancing you've just added alcohol on top of it so taking alcohol away means I enjoy it and I enjoy it even more now yeah it sounds uh, like you've got to know yourself even, like better like the real yeah. you not the person that you were sort of numbing down mm. to to do what you felt you had to, to fit in, which must be really nice. And like, even I love what you said earlier about how you're really wanting to, to express your political views and coming up with a plan of how you could do that in basically in a healthy way that makes you feel like you're making some kind of difference or, and that's another really powerful thing about stopping some of our unconscious things that we do all of the time, whether it's drinking too much, eating too much, whatever those things are, when you start to actually feel your feelings, you discover what it is that you need. 
you know, I mean, what you need to be able to feel better, not the substance or whatever it is that you're kind of using. Completely. It's so good. Well done. I'm so impressed. Oh, thank you. I wish I, I'm like, I'm like, come on, Ella could do it. You could do it. <laughs> honestly if i can do it anyone can but it is it's it's that mindset shift it thinking about things in a different way and that's and again that's what i bring to my coaching it's can you come at it at a different angle and can you trust a new decision or a new way of being because it's really scary to try something new because you think oh fuck what if i fail or what if it doesn't work um because you're so used to being in your comfort zone aren't you Mm. that's what you know that's what you're used to so anything beyond that is really scary and that was actually one of the biggest jumps I had to make in my mind was okay I know who I am when I'm party Ella Ella who's drinking I know that very well who's Ella underneath that beyond this and it's fine it's actually a more evolved version of myself I'm not saying it's better it's just different but it feels it feels more now that level of discomfort has gone away because I'm used to who I am not drinking yeah so it's a very it's a very delicate dance in a way of kind of pushing yourself beyond your comfort zone but not too far to say okay I can do this and then we'll we'll keep it at that but you do have to have uh, and I'm not religious but you do have to have a bit of faith in yourself as well I would say and Mm. that's what I brought to it I thought well I've been able to do all these other things in my life why can't I do this yeah Um, sure so I gave myself a bit of self-belief and and that really helped too yeah sure and then after I guess when you've been doing it a little while your confidence kind of builds just as you do anything new right whenever you face a fear I mean I've been doing a lot of fear facing this year every time it's really uncomfortable I start to tear my hair out a little bit but as I ride through it and come through it then you're you've got energy to do it again you're like okay what's the next fear I'll do the next thing and it kind of works in that way before I used to just avoid like anything that scared me so much because it would trigger me so badly but now mm. just learning how to deal with my triggers better has, has definitely helped which is probably why I've probably cut down drinking anyway um is there is there any books I know you've read you read a lot but what are your favorites on Quitlet? okay so my favorites on Quitlet are This Naked Mind by Annie Grace um because it's fantastic and there's so much detailed information there and she comes out drinking from so many different angles and really breaks down all the myths we have about drinking so I need drink to to feel good about myself or I need it to relax or I need it to be the life and soul of the party she really interrogates that and you get to see why alcohol is quite damaging for you and why alcohol is especially damaging for women because we have um, I think it's to do with our body um, fat percentage and the amount of water we have but yeah read the book for that information because I'm not a scientist but I found that quite she's got loads of facts in there hasn't she yeah absolutely loads of research exactly so it's quite it's quite reassuring if you're someone like me who likes the facts I mean I've worked in you know history documentaries so I like a fact I'm like yes I can see that I can get my head around me too (laughs) I'm like yes (laughs) this naked mind I would really recommend Um, also quit like a woman by Holly Whitaker which is more about looking at the history of alcohol from a kind of socio-economic lens, um, particularly from a US perspective. And she compares um, how alcohol has been marketed to how cigarettes were marketed. And that's that's really interesting. And then the other book that I really liked um, was called The Easy Way for Women to Stop Drinking by Alan Carr, not the um, comedian, um, but the the writer. That again was very, very useful because he took apart all, again, all the myths about alcohol and helped me to approach it in a different way. And Mm -hmm. he gave me a lot of confidence to believe that 
oh, I could stop drinking. I used to read that a lot on my commute into work in the early days of my sobriety. And I'd highlight notes from it and I'd then reread it throughout the day. And that would really keep me motivated because like anything, when you learn a new skill or you're doing something new, repetition is absolutely key. Um, Again, to help rewire your unconscious mind as well that's one way to do it and I didn't realize it at the time but that's how that's how I did it that's how you fit it in exactly but I was just doing I was just following what I'm good at and that's reading and researching and thinking critically about things but I applied it to alcohol and that really worked to help rewire my unconscious mind because it thought oh I can get my head around this oh you're feeding me something new sure I'll take it all in yeah Uh, I love that that's um, a great that's a great idea Mm. um I really love um the book that I've been using this year because it's got a lot of exercises is the club soda one and just the club soda podcast as well because they have a lot of exercises so when I have been drinking I've been doing a lot of like journaling journaling around it and seeing Mm. why and all that kind of stuff and it's really really interesting to just review your relationship with it even Mm. if you don't want to quit completely but it's amazing what we use alcohol for Mm. and that's everything (laughs) But I feel like that's such a cultural thing. I mean, like one of my questions was, how do you deal with Christmas? Because it's such a big part of it, right? It is. It is that I had, so I've had two sober Christmases now. So the first one, when I was using my willpower alone to not drink a few years ago, I think that was Christmas of 2015, if I'm correct. Yeah, it would have been Christmas 2015. I don't think I enjoyed it, thinking back to it because yeah. I hadn't done any of this work underneath it so it wasn't it wasn't enjoyable and I I felt that I was missing out whereas last year Christmas 2019 because I'd done a lot of reflection I'd read so much about alcohol I felt more confident in my choice Lee and my family my aunt she doesn't drink either she's been sober for 15 years we went to my dad's for for Christmas so we had lots of different um, alcohol-free options my sister Melissa is the drinks maker so she made me lots of fun non-alcoholic drinks as well for those of us that weren't drinking that day so I think the way to get through it is to um, include your family and friends and get them to make new recipes and just try and have fun with it if you can I thought oh this is an opportunity to try some new things and for my sister it was oh I can make Ella these new drinks and see see if she likes them so it doesn't have to be negative yeah sure so that's how I did it I've been trying to explore like non-alcoholic like wine and bubbles options but I haven't found any that I like and I'm like oh Mm. these are I'm just like I would rather just have my you know normal you know soft drinks or you know water over there yes yeah some of them are a bit yeah I I think for me I like I haven't found any nice non-alcoholic wine because it can't ever taste like wine that's what I mean of course it can't the one that I got the other um a couple of weeks ago oh my god it was awful I felt like I was being tortured it was really bad and don't drink then don't drink it no absolutely not I really like I like no secco the alcohol-free prosecco but I can only have a couple of glasses of it because it's very sweet Mm. I quite like alcohol-free beer um I wasn't a huge beer drinker when I was drinking because it's, it's, you know, it's not a huge amount, quite nice and cold. It's quite bitter. I like really strong taste. So anything that has a quite strong taste, especially something that's bitter or a bit smoky, I'm all, I'm all about that instead of it just being sugary. Because again, when you stop drinking, my God, my sweet tooth for the first three months was out of control because you're so used to having so much sugar yeah. through alcohol oh that God, it's that just a so huge yeah it's a huge 
I mean, I think I do suffer from low blood sugar and you know peaks and I, I do need to look at that properly I've always yeah. been like that I'm, yeah. I'm lovely and then if I'm hungry I turn into a monster it's it's quite something <laughs> but then it's it's fixed very quickly but when you stop drinking you really notice how much sugar you've been consuming and your body will want that afterwards so you just have to ride it out and then it stabilizes now it's now it's better but the first three months oh my god it was it was so so strong it was so so strong i definitely think i've been struggling with that like i'm like what is wrong with me why can't get through a day without getting Mm. my hands on some chocolate what is going on i guess it's like the withdrawal of the sugar because the amount yes. of sugar in it but it's crazy like as well um your taste buds change right from not drinking because yes. you can actually without the alcohol you can actually taste what it tastes like mm. so that's why wine without alcohol is not nice that's like the main point that i've learned anyway completely and also um what i've noticed now is wine actually smells like vinegar to me because it's been so long since i've drunk anything i mean i'm fine i'm i don't mind like pouring a couple of glasses for other people that's that's fine with me but i have you know when you've opened a bottle and smelt it and thought oh my god it smells horrific so i think your senses do adapt yeah. and they get used to you not drinking it which has been really really strange i didn't think i'd have such a, a visceral reaction of oh it smells <laughs> like vinegar that's, well that's how we i remember feeling like that when i smelt it when i was at uni and yes I for the first time some really cheap wine just because it yes. would get you drunk but it was awful Mm. yeah it's not good i can't remember what we used to have was it lambrini oh oh god so bad i started going out me and my best friend used to drink glenn's vodka which is paint stripper (laughs) it is disgusting and the similar thing of i think you have to neck back because it's so disgusting and i think then your taste buds get used to alcohol is what we're talking about and then when you stop drinking they revert back to how you were before when you didn't drink so that's why i think i have that reaction of oh well it's crazy well that's the thing we all felt like that about it once didn't we yes and then we pushed through it because you know it is such a big part of being turning 18 being at uni Mm -hmm. job part of work culture yeah every celebration you can think of i mean we get so many messages about drinking and you Mm. must drink you must drink you must drink so that's why we all do it right because we're capitalism machine that's been pumping us out with this ideal all of our lives since we were little that's why so many of us are like oh i don't have a problem it's fine if i just have a glass of wine at the end of the day but my point which i say all the time is that that's fine but if it's actually pushing away something that you're not dealing with that causes you problems later and absolutely what happened to me there was a lot that i was pushing down that just sort of exploded because i wasn't like aware of it i didn't even know there was any kind of problem so Mm. And that's why I wanted, really wanted to do this episode to get people to question their own relationship with alcohol, because it could be seen as, you know, I think me and you have a very similar relationship with it, where to everybody else, we look like we've got our head together, we've got Mm. jobs and, you know, we're probably not one of those really annoying drunks either completely oh i don't know about me i think i was at times <laughs> i maybe I was sometimes we were acceptable drinkers yes you know, like yes. and so many people are and mm. they don't think it's a problem but when it's actually preventing you from feeling i think it that is a problem and that's actually keeping your trauma in your body and that's causes a lot of problems basically completely it's that it's having as you've said manpri it's having that critical awareness and having the courage to to look at it and to question it and that's what people are afraid of because they don't know what they'll find 
and it's unknown because it means looking at it a different way potentially cutting down or stopping and that is about again moving outside of their comfort zone of what they know Mm. and that brings up a lot of fear in people so it's really clever when you start to interrogate it and you realize all the insidious reasons we we create for ourselves to do something or act a particular way because your mind is so clever of course it is of mm. course it is and it's yeah. it's designed to keep you safe that's it's that's it's raison d'etre to be posh in french there um <laughs> <laughs> and to take the mick out of myself approach it objectively and just think okay what can i learn what is my body perhaps trying to tell me by having this reaction to alcohol by having these awful hangovers or this anxiety spiral why am i doing that and what's underneath it mm. and if you have the courage to start asking yourself those questions then you might not like the answers you get but on the other hand you gain so much clarity and freedom from not drinking or from following your own intuition or deciding to look at things in a different way yeah you got that's, you, that's you? exactly that's what that's what i would say and i think as humans you you do always want to grow and progress so you're limiting yourself in a way by not exploring that option or looking at what's underneath that you Mm, keep yourself stuck definitely and also things like anxiety depression they don't go down with things like this they just get bigger yeah and that's the problem whereas when you start doing activities like looking at it reducing it coming up with new ways to relax to give yourself oxytocin instead Mm -hmm. of the dopamine dopamine hit that's the kind of things that help you feel better and you get to know yourself better you get to work out what your dreams are what your goals are all these things are lost when you just numb out basically they're just not part yeah. of you which is Completely. why you've been able to do so much more since you've given up which is great i mean you've sort of touched on it already but how can coaching help us with coaching is an amazing tool and there are many different ways to to get support if you want to question your drinking coaching is about looking at where you are right now and where you want to go in the future whereas therapy and i've had therapy is more about looking at past trauma and how that keeps you stuck right now so coaching is more about looking forward and uncovering those blocks and moving through them as you go forward and I found for me that kind of approach when it came to drinking really helped and really resonated because I was worried about well who am I going to be now that I don't drink that was a, a concern for me and training to be a coach and using the exercises that I'd learned in that process really helped me explore my identity and move forward with that in a meaningful way so I think coaching can really support someone to uncover parts of themselves and explore their different gifts and talents and how to bring those out that's what it's really good for and also if you're someone like me who is very goal focused it's very good for that because it gives you a lot of structure to Mm. move forward and I've used quite a few of the sort of teaching techniques motivational strategies that I use with my pupils I try and bring those into my coaching as well because I think these have worked these are tried and tested so let's bring them out in a new context but instead of helping somebody to pass an exam it's to further them um, with their self-development be that in terms of reassessing their relationship with alcohol or a career goal or a relationship goal you can use the same principles it's just how you apply them Mm-hmm. So that's how I think coaching is really, really helpful. And how can people find you and work with you? I will put your links in the episode notes as well. Oh, you're very kind. Um, so you can follow me on Instagram at Ellicent John McGrand. And that also has links to my website, ellicentjohnmcgrand.com. Funnily enough, there's no one else with my surname. So I'm quite easy to find <laughs> online. What I'm doing at the moment is I am 
about to relaunch a group coaching program called Mindset Bootcamp. And that's about taking a group of women through a process to get really clear and laser focused on a goal and then teaching them how to reprogram their brain and their mind for success and then how to implement so what actions they can take to move forwards to towards that goal so i'll be launching that in february next year and the first cohort who went through the process this year got some amazing results um, one of them got a promotion one of them's now selling her art online it's just it was amazing to see them blossom mm-hmm. um, so i love group coaching ha- having been a teacher i find it I love it. I love working with a group because you can learn so much as well from other people. Yeah, sure. It must be really such an achievement as well, watching them follow your process and come out all shiny and happy in, in their goal area absolutely so that's the that's a really lovely way for me to work with people i also offer one-on-one coaching which is much more bespoke to what the coachee wants to work through i've helped people with sobriety and also with career goals as well so that's more about meeting the coachee where they are and then figuring out a plan for them to get there but that's more definitely more intensive but the transformation happens quicker because they have that one-on-one time with me so you can get to the crux of the issue very quickly mm-hmm. um, and then move through it but like anything it's coaching is fantastic but you you have to do it you have to follow through on the actions it's i can support people and help them to figure out what they want to do and how to do it but i can't force them to do it it's a real partnership which is really interesting which i really enjoy and it's very interesting to see where people flourish and progress and where they hold themselves back yeah um, i've noticed that as well it it's is really it's really really interesting and i think obviously the more i do it the more expertise i get and the more experience so it's definitely something i'm looking at wh- why and how people hold themselves back and what tools and and techniques we can talk through to help them move through that mm. it usually comes back to people it comes back to a certain block they have or a certain limiting belief i think it always comes back to that yeah. um, so it's been really interesting to see that with clients like oh we're now talking about your relationships but you're talking about the same thing that happened in your career so what what's going on there what's underneath that it's fascinating because humans are fascinating yeah they really are i've definitely noticed a bit of a theme of maybe some resistance with women prioritizing themselves mm-hmm. uh, their own dreams their own self-care and mm-hmm. i really think that's like a, a patriarchy thing where oh, completely. i think i've asked you all my questions now is there anything else that you think is worth sharing before we wrap up to someone if they're listening to this and they're thinking oh maybe i do want to look at my drinking to follow that feeling to start to question it to start to think about why you're drinking and the reason underneath that and to try not to be afraid of it try and give yourself some time and space to process those answers because most of the time we're we're really pushing down a lot of knowledge that we have about ourselves we think oh that's too that's too much or i don't want to go there but usually if you get quite quiet and still and ask yourself these questions you might be surprised by what comes up Mm. so start to trust that I would say because that's what led me to stop drinking and honestly has opened up my life in so many different unexpected ways um made me you know helped me set up a new business I've, re- I've progressed in my tv career i've made some amazing friends since stopping drinking other friendships have got better so you never know where it could lead you so following that internal guidance and, and making time for that i would say is really really important 
Definitely. And it's a really important part of like healing as well from yes. whatever you've experienced in your life, from whatever mm-hmm. traumas you've experienced. Cause mm-hmm. like I keep saying, it's a block. So when you remove that block, it will allow, it does bring things to the surface. Yes. But once you have almost like dealt with them in your conscious mind, they do get easier and start to sort of slip away. Don't they? Completely. And then it doesn't seem to be as much of a big deal. I think for mm. me realizing, okay, so it's my low sense of self-esteem that's beneath why I'm wanting to drink. And I need to look at how I feel about myself as a woman of color. That's in there as well. I start to look at the self-esteem. Then I have more confidence to read more about what it is to be a woman of color. And I got to explore that a lot with the work I do on history documentaries. And you just gain more knowledge about yourself. Mm. And then you start to feel more confident in who you are. And you think, well, actually, a lot of this and a lot of how black women and women of colour are viewed in society, it's not actually my problem. Mm. It's society's problem. I've not done anything wrong. I think that was a big game changer for me, building up and building up your self-confidence from that space as well, um, which might sound a bit abstract, but that's one of the big shifts I went through. It makes so much sense because it's helped you on your journey to be comfortable with who you are. Because yes. I think when you are a person of color, you can try to hide it away so that you fit in. Yes. Probably yeah. what you did when you were at uni and I've definitely done the same as well. So you try to just pretend that that's not there. And that mm. also means that you're rejecting a part of yourself, which can Completely. be part of why you feel so shitty. Yeah. So well done. Oh, well, thank you. <laughs> That's great. Thank you so much for coming on. This has been lovely. I feel like I could talk about this all day. Oh, always. It's been <laughs> it's been such a pleasure. Oh, yeah, as you can tell, I am such a chatterbox. I love it. <laughs> love it. We'll have to get you on to talk about something else. I'll have a think. <laughs> yeah, patriarchy. Down with it. Burn it down. Yeah, yeah. Right. Maybe race. Yes. Africa. Yeah, I definitely want to do an episode on that at some point. I've written an article about sobriety and race. Yeah, through uh, for the Temper, which is an American organization um to do with sobriety um so if your listeners want to find that that's on my um that's on my bio but i I can send you the link as well yeah Yeah. send me the link i'll pop it in but that's been great ella thank you so much thank you thank you and there we have it guys an episode completed i hope you enjoyed it and it raised a load of awareness in your mind there was alarm bells going you were all like ding that's totally me because that's what i was like when i started this journey and that is the start of the process finding out this information and realizing it has happened in your own life so i really hope it was helpful and before the next episode coming out next wednesday be sure to check us out on instagram so it's hearts underscore underscore happiness also we have a youtube channel where i share the videos i create for instagram on so you can check that out they come on about once a week and then we also have a facebook group if you want to join to carry on the conversation i want to create a community where we're all talking about our very real experiences and traumas and then there is also my website called heartshappiness.co.uk which you can check out to join our mailing list so that as i create new services and support tools for you all you're the first to find out and i have a freebie on there so definitely check that out it's five books that transformed my healing so if you really want to kickstart and you know you're liking the content in here these books are like the basis of so much of my knowledge so definitely check that out and i will speak to you next week i'm so excited to continue this journey with you to help you to find your own heart's happiness take care